0: Uh, Yes, how we doing? Welcome once again, my friend, to Station B-O-B, where you listen to learn how to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. I'm your host, Dr. Rob, and as always, I am pleased and very happy to be with you today to bring you another powerful message. Well, we're at the beginning of December, And of course, we're in the middle of holiday, the holiday season. We have already gone through Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and all of the other holidays are still yet to come. And so today I bring you another top topic, one of my favorites. As a matter of fact, I wrote a book about this topic, The Choices We Make. And so I wanted to talk to you about the choices we make or the choices you make, because I don't think, you know, we as people really, you know, value the choices we make, because on a day to day basis, we have to make so many different choices, You know, what you have to do when you go home. What are you going to do first? Who should you call? Who should you text? Uh, I mean, it's just so much. It's like rapid fire, the choices we make on a daily basis. But as I just said, a, a choice is more than a mere choice. And we make choices, since we make them, so many of them during the day, You know, I mean, the choice is simple as, well, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm going to give me something to eat. Well, let me text my wife. Let me call my mother. No, I won't do that now because I want to call, you know, my boy and talk to him and holler at my friend. So we make so many choices in a day that sometimes we may take our choices for granted. But as I said earlier, a choice is more than simply a choice. A choice can determine or define your life. And and more specifically, choices are different based on whether or not you have good self-esteem or bad self-esteem, a.k.a. low self-esteem or high self-esteem. For instance, if you, if you are an individual with low self-esteem, you may tend to follow others instead of leading the pack. You may be at the back of the pack. When your self-esteem is low, sometimes you don't stand up for yourself the way that you should, the way that you could. And so that other person who is more aggressive and more assertive, they may decide for you. And then you find yourself making choices or being, say, the victim, if you will, of a choice that you did not fully or conscientiously make. And so, it's you know, I think the main thing for me with us as human beings is that self-esteem, you know, it carries over into every aspect of our lives. And especially for our, you know, adolescents, our young children, girls, boys, when their self-esteem is low, they tend to gravitate towards being with people who may not necessarily be good people for them, But their need or desire to want to be included, to want to be accepted, because when you don't have good self-esteem or good self-image, then you tend to go places where you think that you can get, um, in many cases, fake love because you feel validated that the most popular person on the block or in the school has accepted you when really that person may not be up to any good anyhow. But to be included, to be accepted is just a wonderful feeling. And so when our self-esteem is not as good as it should, one may be prone to not make good choices. Whereas on the other hand, if you have good self-esteem, then your choices may tend to be better and less consequential due to the fact that usually people with good self-esteem, you know, we tend to have a more positive outlook on life. We, we tend to not always have to be included or to be accepted by others in order to feel whole. So, I mean, hopefully you're getting my drift here that that self-esteem, especially when it comes to choices, is, is very, very important. Because, see, when you have good self-esteem, you may tend to care more about yourself and the outcome of your choices. Now, I remember myself as a young boy growing up in Harlem, USA, you know, sometimes my life was quite the adventure hanging out with my friends. Quite often I found myself, I found myself in situations where, you know, my friends may have been talking about riding on top of the elevator. Now the buildings we lived in were 14 stories high. That means 14 flights apartments on fourteen floors of a building. So we had elevators too that went one went to the even floors and one stopped at the odd floors in the building. So there may have been the time or two where my friends ventured to dare to think, hey, let's ride on top of the elevator. And me of course, I was the scared one, if you will, but I I was making choices not to do the things that one brought fear to me and two, not to follow the lead of my wonderful friends who were making poor decisions. And I think really, and at the time, you know, nine, 10, 11, 12, to be honest with you, I did not know anything about self-esteem. I just for me it was more of a fear to do daring things that just didn't sound like they would be a lot of fun. In addition, you know, I used to watch the news at night. Even as a a young kid, I would watch the news. And we all know that the news is is really the blues. And I and I saw stories on the news about kids my age and older riding on top of elevators with their friends, and then falling to their deaths. And so I had to make those tough decisions with my friends. Now, my friends, we were good. I had a good group of friends. We were not troublemakers. We didn't rob bodegas. We didn't stick people up for their welfare checks. We We didn't cause trouble. But amongst ourselves as boys, we did what we did, and you know what boys can do. And so I I really, you know, as a matter of fact, one of my friends, I remember, this happened a while back, his wife told me, now we're all grown up, his wife told me, she said, Rob, Dwayne said that you were the punk of the crew. You know, you were scared of everything. So I'm like, wow, you know, perhaps then I was, you know, well, I'm not even going to say perhaps. I was viewed as the punk of the crew, if you will, because I did not want to endeavor to be as venture as adventurous as my friends. And so, you know, she said that, you know, my boy, me and him, he and I, we are still friends to this day. She said that they, you know, his, he was married at the time. And, you know, I was just talking to his wife And she told me that, hey, Dwayne said That you were the punk of the crew And so I thought about what she said You know, because back then I was the punk, that's what they called me But now, if you fast forward So many years later And I I look at that Through a different lens And I think about, you know, the idea that You know, growing up in the projects, when we traveled in packs, there was always a lot of us. And so who could stand up, who would stand up to nine or 10 of their so-called friends and tell them, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not riding on top of an elevator. Or I remember... In the spring, when school, you know, when the weather the weather was changing and we, we'd be, you know, right in front of the school and we would form a little circle right outside of the, the door of the school because it was May or early June. Let's just go with May. And it might be 60 or 70 degrees. You can hear the music in the park. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. And so my friend was like, wow, you hear that? And so they would say, hey, I'm not going to class. you going to class. I'm not going to class. you going to class. What about you, Rob? And I would say, I'm going to class. So with that said, I shared these stories with, you know, my boy's wife. And I said, am I really a punk? You know, is it really, am I really a punk, the one who stood up to – Eight, nine, ten of his friends on many occasions and said, No, I'm not doing that. I'm going to class. I will not ride on top of an elevator. I will not uh, ride on, hitch, hitch a ride on the back of a bus where you could only hold on. I'm talking about the New York City mass transit bus where, you know, we, my friends used to hold. ride ride the buses like hold on to the back of the buses where you could only cling to the little edge that they had by the tip of your fingernails and so I wouldn't do those things so I said to her am I a punk or i'm or am i the most courageous because see for an individual especially a teenager Then and today To stand up to his or her friends And say no I'm not doing that Now in the moment It may seem like I'm a punk But now when I look back on it It seems to me That I had more courage Than the rest of the group Because essentially I was not afraid to say no And that was generated by my fear But I was making good choices And thank God for that, and I have no regrets about being the punk of the crew because I survived, and I'm here today to talk about it. How you like me now? And so, moving on, some, something as simple as happiness is a choice, it just does not happen. You know, you have to work to be happy. You understand? Well, what do I mean when I say you have to work to be happy? Well, you know, if you go out and you get a new iPhone or a new pair of Jordans or, you know, 65, 75-inch flat screen TV, in the moment, that will make you very happy. But then life goes on. Life continues. And so what do you do in between the time when you receive gifts, you know, or have other pleasures of the moment. You, you you hook up with your boys or you hook up with your lady friends and you go out for drinks and, you know, it's open bar and all the other things that we do that make us happy in the moment. I call those pleasures of the moment. But what do you do in between gifts of iPhones and new Jordans and a new car? What do you do? To find uh, Your way to happiness Well I say you have to choose Happiness And it is it is work It's not that it's hard work It's just it's a mindset It's a frame of mind Where you have to understand that Happiness is just not automatic Okay And what do I mean by when I say It's not automatic I mean you wake up Things happen in life. Your friend is, you may have a friend is sick. You just broke up with your girlfriend two weeks ago. Uh, your mother's getting on your nerve. Your children, their grades are not good in school. And so, you know, you got challenges at work. And so there's so much going on. It's, it's cold outside. You don't want to go out in that cold to to start your car you need a new car and so while all of this is going on you have to find a place to say hey you know my life is still good I'm alive I have all 10 fingers and 10 toes I'm in my right mind all the people I love are alive today as far as I know and so with that said I need to Understand that I have to appreciate these things because, you see, our lives can be changed in a moment's notice. You can get hit by a straight bullet. Car can jump the curb, run you over, and 10 other people crash through the restaurant window that you are eating at. You can lose your job. I mean, so much can happen in a moment's notice, especially today. I live in New Jersey, but sometimes I watch the eyewitness news in New York, and it is bananas crazy. The things that people are doing cause hitting older people, young people. I mean, it's insane. And so when I say pleasures of the moment, what I'm saying is is that those things don't bring true happiness. They bring happiness in the moment that may, you know, extend for a day or two. But then what do you do when the excitement for that gift, for that iPhone, for the the Air Jordans, the new car, the new laptop, the new flat screen TV? What do you do when the happiness wanes? Well, we'll talk about what you do on the other side of the break.
1: Relationship Readiness Life and Work Preparedness Services. The place you come to for coaching, consulting, and counseling in life, love, and work. We are a multi-purpose service organization that will coach you up, educate, guide, and motivate you to succeed. We provide management training and consulting services for all businesses in the areas of employee relations, unionized employees, progressive discipline, the annual review process, and emotional intelligence to develop effective leaders for your organization. And our relationship counseling services for individuals, couples, groups show you how to become relationship ready with improved self-esteem, resilience, and self-awareness. To learn more about our programs and services, please contact Robert T. Gardner, Jr. by email at changeagentrtg at gmail.com or request a meeting for a free one-hour consultation at relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and let's go back to Station B.O.B.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Welcome back. And so just before the promo, we were talking about the idea that happiness is a choice and that you have to work for happiness. And I don't mean work like lifting heavy packages, but sometimes, you know, our thoughts are so heavy, we have to work our way through the negative thinking, the the heavy emotions that tend to block our view, block our way to finding happiness. And so I'm here today to say that happiness is a choice. And you have to take control of your thoughts instead of standing on the sideline as a cheerleader watching, you know, or thinking and and watching, you know, yourself choose one bad thought After another, and then all of a sudden every day you're walking around not feeling good. When no, you can become a more active participant in your thinking. And after the iPhone, after the flat screen TV, or whatever else you receive, after those times, that's when you have to say, hey, today is a good day. You know, everybody's walking around saying, have a good day, have a good day. No, you have to make it a good day. How do you make it a good day? By choosing to feel good. You make a choice to feel good. You make a choice to be happy. And then that way you bring a positive attitude to to work. You bring a positive attitude on your way to Starbucks. You bring a positive attitude when you're stuck in traffic. You have to choose happiness because if you don't choose it, you will lose it. And then we tend to fall back on the thoughts that, you know do not make us feel so good. And some of us, we like to live there. We just love living there in the thought, oh, nobody wants to be with me. Nobody liked my post today. Nobody's hollering at me. Oh, oh, oh. No, no, you can choose to get over that. And so remember, happiness is, is a choice. Just like I believe, it's just my opinion, I haven't done any research on this, but I've been around, I am a social worker, and I understand, you know, the power of our mindset. Because sometimes, being sad, I believe, is a a choice as well. I mean, if somebody passes away, or, you know, the girl you thought was going to be yours for life, she cuts you off, no notice, she just sends you a text and says, Hey, it's over. It's over, player." Yeah, those kind of things in the moment will make you sad, and but when I say sadness can be a choice, I have found that you know, you know, people have, you know, we lose people, our mothers. My mother passed away in November. My sister overdosed on heroin in November. You know, and I'm sure you lost Big Mama or Aunt Millie in you know, at some point in the year. A year ago, we've had so many COVID deaths and tragedies and things of that sort. But sometimes we make a choice to be sad. The holidays come upon us. And so we realize that our grandmother is not going to be there anymore. Maybe our father or whoever our loved one is. And we decide that, you know, Thanksgiving is not going to be good. Meanwhile, it's like October 17th and Thanksgiving is not until November 24th, uh, 25th. And we're making decisions to be sad weeks and months before the actual event happens so that we program ourselves to go into that event not in the proper frame of mind. Well, I'm here today to tell you. I cannot tell you how to mourn, and I will not even try to tell you how to mourn. But what I, what I will tell you is that our loved ones, we all know that one day we're going to pass away. I mean, it's a sad thing. I can't even believe a guy like me is going to die one day. Can you imagine that? That is sad. However, our loved ones, they want us to celebrate their lives. That's just not a saying. That's that's real. Your mother, your father, big mama, Aunt Millie, You know, Uncle Mike, they would want you to go on and be happy during Thanksgiving the same way you enjoyed the holidays when they were alive and well. They would want you to find a way to enjoy the holidays in their absence. And so let's try not to choose to be sad because it's the holidays. And I know, like I said, I can't tell you how to mourn. I'm not even going to try to tell you how to mourn. What I'm going to try to tell you is that don't make choices to be sad for the holidays when it's October 17th and, you know, you're already declaring that since your loved one you know, or or people you have loved are not going to be present because they have passed away. That's not a good idea. That's just not a good idea. As a matter of fact, let me tell you a quick story. I have a friend. His father passed away and my friend is one of my day ones. We matter of fact, it's the guy that told his wife that I was the biggest punk in the crew. So anyway, now he is down south. His father left him a house, some money, and and he bought a car. And so when he first moved down there, he was calling me, you know, yo, Rob, man, I'm so lonely, I'm lonely. I'm like, what do you mean you're lonely, man? You know, we... We're in our 50s and 60s, but we still, we ain't dead yet. So what are you talking about? You're lonely. He's like, well, I'm just lonely. But And he would call me. Every time he called me, he would tell me how lonely he was feeling. And although I was trying to empathize and validate his feelings, but I could see that it, it seemed to me that he was choosing to be lonely. And I shared with him. I said, look, brother, look, beloved. You got the 3 Cs. You got a car, a crib, and money in the bank, cash in the bank. And so you down south in Georgia, and you can you can google the local churches, the black churches or whatever. And show up at a church volunteer feed the homeless tell them you just moved to town and them southerners would be lined up at your door with cakes and apple pies and all kind of thing so you have the three c's cash a crib in the car to me it sounds like you are choosing to be lonely and when you choose to be lonely then you will start to think like you're lonely and feel like you're lonely and then the quality of your life will dissipate significantly so now i'm gonna fast forward this same friend you, you know what he tells me now yo rob i'm at a shorty i'm going to Friday Night Lights which is football on Friday nights in the south and well Friday Night Lights is everywhere now but in the south football is big so now he he met a shorty he's going to Friday Night Lights he's going out to dinner he is developing a friendship with his neighbors across the street he's telling me they're bringing them dinner every day because he's single and his wife the neighbor's wife cooks so much and all of this and all of that and see now all of a sudden my friend went from lonely to popular essentially because he was making a choice to be lonely and now he, have, he has found a way to something that would make him happy think about this the high school shooter uh, in Michigan Ethan Crumbley, on the day of the shooting He declared, he told school administrators that my life is useless and my world is dead and these thoughts won't help stop me. Now, I I cannot really speak on what was going on with him. You you understand? Um, And if he's saying he needed help, then by golly, he needed some help. And so I don't know if that young man was over the top in terms of his uh, sanity and perhaps he was because anybody that would pull out a a loaded weapon, a loaded automatic weapon and start shooting at your high school classmates and teachers and, and you know the deal. I, I guess some insanity would have to come with that. But my point is, is that he was saying he was having thoughts and and that his life was useless my my issue with that is how is a 15 year old's life useless? That that's that's all I'm talking about. How is his life useless? Now, I don't know, you know, maybe he was being abused or or mistreated at home. He seemed to live in a a, a two-parent home. His mother, his father bought him a gun as an early Christmas present. Imagine that. Find your fifteen-year-old child a gun as for an early Christmas present. Well, Merry Christmas! You see what that got you? It's a very unfortunate situation now. But my point really is, is that here is a young man, fifteen years old, saying that his life is useless. I'm not sure about where he was or why he would, uh. Have those feelings, but it's just interesting to see what I i'm really sharing this because it's the idea of what we put into our head and 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 how we can control our thoughts. but instead, many times, when we don't take control and become an active participant in our thinking, then our thinking will control us. What about this scenario? When you do something like have sex and get uh, a girl pregnant or you make a girl pregnant and it's a person you should not have had sex with, like, you know, your brother's girlfriend or your sister's boyfriend. See, that type of stuff should not happen. But instead, many times we say, you know, well. You know, one thing led to another. Let me just give you the scenario. You are the girlfriend, and I am the boyfriend. And I know you're the girlfriend of my best friend, but I need to talk to you about a homework assignment or something. And you're home alone, and so... I call you. It's Saturday. You know, it's getting dark. It's in November. I call you and say, "Hey, can you know? Can I stop by and and we go over the homework assignment? Just have a few things I want to go over with you." And so you're like, "Um, okay, come on through." Now, I look good. You look good. And, you know, I'm I'm talking about, say, people, young adults, if you will, may have their own place, graduate from college and things like that. And so you allow me to come over. It's five o'clock. It's six o'clock. It's dark. And now you're saying, hey, would you like some wine? And meanwhile, I'm supposed to be there to study, but now you're offering me wine. Okay. And then, you know, in the back of your mind, you may have liked me anyway, but since I'm, you know, in a relationship with your brother or your best friend, we know that we shouldn't be doing this. But so now we done drank the wine and I got the buzz. You got the buzz. We talking, we laughing. And now all of a sudden, my hand is on your leg and your, your, your leg is on my hand. Next thing we know, we start getting hot and, passionate in there. And so what I'm really saying here, and then, hold on, let me just finish. And then we have sexual relations. And then ultimately you get pregnant. And then when it comes out, you know, and you have to talk and face the the people who you now have damaged and hurt in this scenario, you say, "Well, one thing just led to another. I made a mistake. No, one thing does not just lead to another. Many times we have the choice we we could we could stop or prevent something every step of the way. one, you know that if you had eyes for her or she had eyes for you. Why would you invite that person over to do the homework uh, or, or, or the school assignment when you're home alone and it's Saturday night? And it's it's just getting dark outside and you just so happen to have each other's favorite wine, you know, in the refrigerator there. Okay, so so things do not just happen. In many of these scenarios, we have a choice. We have the opportunity to stop it and say, no, that would not be a good idea. I'm not going to do that. But instead, we just go with the flow, and then we make the biggest mistakes. Actually, you know, we say, well, I I just made a mistake, and I'm going to say no to that. You didn't make a mistake by doing that. You made a choice. Yes, indeed, you made a choice. And with that said, I'm going to step aside for a promo, and we'll pick it up on the other side of the break. Have
1: you read any good books lately? Your host, Robert T. Gardner, Jr., also known as Dr. Rob, is the author of three great books. And his first book, The Choices We Make... You will learn how to find your special talent and light up your life so that you can become the person you were born to be and live a more fulfilled, purpose-driven life. Books are available at barnesandnobles.com, amazon.com, and Robert's website, relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and back to the show.
0: Okay, welcome back, and thanks for listening to the promo, you know. I've made some bad choices, some crazy choices in my life, and I'm sure you have done that, too. And so I think it's a good idea to take a minute to laugh about one or two of the bad choices we make. Because if we don't laugh about it, we might act out about it or even cry about it. So I'm going to take a minute, and I hope you can, too, to laugh about some of the foolish choices that you have made. Okay, well, I know, like I said, if I didn't laugh about some of my choices, I would probably cry because I, I, too, have made some bad choices. So, as I was saying before the promo, that quite often when we when we make a series of bad decisions that lead to bad outcomes like impregnating your, 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 your best friend's girlfriend or your brother's sister or, I'm sorry, your brother's sister, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, when we make those type of mistakes, so I'm sorry, when we make those type of choices, we usually crank it up to that was a mistake. And what I'm saying is, nope, you made a bad choice. So keep in mind that whether you have a good life, a bad life, or no life at all, it will come down to the choices you make. And if you believe you cannot do something, then you will not be able to do it. Whereas if you believe you can do it, you will do it. You know the saying, God helps those who help themselves. I have three kids with my wife, and we do not allow our children to say can't. That's like cursing in my house to say, oh, I can't do it. I can't. I can't. Instead, we encourage them to say I can because all you have to do is try. When you choose to say can't, you actually like in a way you start to the, the process to believe you can't do this or you can't do that. The next thing you know, you will not accomplish all that you could because you chose to say you can't. I look at myself. I come from a public housing project in Harlem, USA, a small place in New York York City. Essentially, where I come from is a can't environment. You know, we were poor not only, in my household, but all of my friends. The neighborhood was infested with heroin addicts, crime, poverty, welfare recipients, welfare recipients, and gang violence. Just to mention a few things. That, my friend, is a can't kind of place because not only many of my friends got caught up and did not even graduate from high school. But also when I say got caught up, that means got caught up in the drugs, the crime, the violence. Uh, some, some died early and even if, and if they didn't die early, you know, some, I have friends who smoked things like angel dust and other, type of drugs that are just high on the spectrum of helping you to lose your mind. And so when I say that many of my friends got caught up, that's what I'm talking about. Violence, crime, uh, incarceration. But in addition, when I say I come from a, a, a can't kind of a place, many of my oldest sisters, Friends from her generation. My, my sister was eight or nine years older than me. So, so she was, you know, when I'm eight, she's already 19, 20 years old, something thereabouts. And so, so many of her friends did not make it out the neighborhood as well. Many of them, including my sister, either overdosed on heroin and died from, you know, heroin, drug overdoses, or went to prison for long periods of time for things like murder, armed robbery, and so much more. And the moral of this story is that no matter where you come from or your circumstance you can choose to overcome it and turn your pain into purpose. Before I wrap up, I'm just going to share my story with you because, by golly, if I can make it and, and, and my making it, if you will, whatever that means, but I did get out of the neighborhood, and that's the extent I'm talking about making it. It was because of the choices I made. Now, you know the circumstance in my neighborhood. Heroin addicts, drugs, crime, poverty, welfare recipients. uh, Grew up in a building with elevators, pissy elevators. You get on the elevator, you're stepping in urine, it's smelling like urine. All of those things. However, and, and so my story is, you know, at nine, my mother died suddenly. She had an aneurysm, and the next day she passed away. Then three years, almost to the day, my oldest sister overdosed on heroin at the age of 20. And then three or four years later after that, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, where I am insulin dependent, and I almost died. As a matter of fact, when I was experiencing the symptoms, and my, my family took me to, and I want I also mention that my parents were divorced. And my father was in my life, but, my, you know, I come from a divorced, you know, household, if you will, single parent. And so now back to the diabetes, when I was diagnosed, the doctors told my family that had they waited another 15 minutes to bring me to the hospital, they would have been picking out a coffin for me. So with all of that said... When I realized that God gave me a second chance to live uh, and based on my early life tragedy and trauma with the loss of my mother, my sister, my diagnosis with type one diabetes, through all of that, I have found a way I made good decisions and good choices. I made a bad choice for my first wife. Oh, my God. But that. Experience inspired me to do what I'm doing now. I turned my pain from that experience into purpose. I started writing books. I went back to school and got a second master's degree. I met my second wife. She is the most wonderful person I have ever met, and we are truly best friends, and we have children from from our marriage together and so what I'm saying to you with all of that is that as I said earlier whether you have a good life a bad life or no life at all it will come down to the choices you make understand that a choice is not merely a choice a choice requires you to think about hmm if I do this what will happen what is the consequence what is the outcome do I really want to do that? Can I handle that? Can I handle another child? Hey, this is my brother's girlfriend. Hmm, is it worth it to do that? Wow, this is my best friend's boyfriend. What am I doing with him? I I am attracted to him, but what would this do to my friendship with my with my girl? You know, her and I we've been friends from the beginning of time. So think about that. A choice is not merely a choice. A choice can determine the outcome of your life, of a situation, of a circumstance. And so think about the choices you make because in the end, your life comes down to the choices you make. I want to thank you very much for tuning in once again, my friend. You can pick up my podcast anywhere you you get your podcast from. And remember, love is an action, not a word, and it's not supposed to hurt. Until the next time we meet, I'll talk to you later. Peace. As we wrap up this show, I hope this topic helped you to grow. And now you know a little bit more than you knew before. If you have any questions about this topic, please email me at changeagentrtg at gmail.com. See my website, relationshipreadiness.org to learn more about my counseling, consulting, and educational programs related to life, love, and work. Finally, in the words of the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he is traveling wrong, Then my living will not be in vain. Until we meet again, do the right thing when nobody is looking. Peace, beloved.